When a specific individual with proper qualifications is located in a specific window area, at a time when specific electromagnetic conditions exist, a flat period, then that individual is able to perceive beyond the visible spectrum or possibly intercept a signal that plants an image in his or her mind. While the image may be very vivid and detailed, it is actually non-real, subjective, and hallucinatory. John Keel, Flying Saucer to the Center of Your Mind. society something you are listening to serial spirits the podcast Guys, welcome back to another episode of Serial Spirits. I'm your host, Brendan Shea, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime. Annie Weebs, how are you, Shea Bay? I'm doing fantastic, Annie. It's spring. It's, it's finally today's here. Today's the first day of spring. Yes, we're recording Hallelujah. this on the first day of spring. It's finally here. You look outside the window, you see green in the trees, you see blossoming flowers on the trees. It's, it's a good feeling. Spring equinox has sprung. Hallelujah. So... Uh, we are going to go deep into a story of some things that we talked about back... Well, Annie, I'll let you kind of introduce what we were going to talk about today. Okay, so I've got a weird story, that a personal experience, that I want to share with you guys. And before I tell that, we kind of have to go back to the past couple of years of Serial Spirits. For those of you who have listened to Serial Spirits in the past, you might remember a six-part series that we did that we entitled I Am Cold, The Story of Indred. In the first episode of that series, we told you about the story of a man named Woodrow Derenberger, who was from around the Parkersburg, West Virginia area, and claims that in the mid-1960s, around the time that the Mothman sightings began in Point Pleasant, he had a UFO encounter on the highway outside of Parkersburg. 
and he claims that the UFO stopped him on the the highway that night. And from the UFO came an extraterrestrial being that spoke with him telepathically. And this being called himself in their first meeting cold and later the name Indrid cold. Derenberger claims that over a number of years, he had encounters not just with Indrid cold, but with Indrid's family and eventually was taken to their home planet, which was called Lanulos. Indrid and his family came in peace, and Woodrow had a lot of story to tell. And so that's where the inspiration from that series came. The next five episodes that followed that were a year and a half's worth of research that we did, not just about Derenberger, but about people who had claims similar to Derenberger's. These claims happened not just in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, but all across the nation. And we began to find these bizarre similarities in so many of these stories, the areas in which they happened. They were close to water. They were close to rivers. They were close to sources, natural resources that were being mined in these areas. And finally, the big connection that we found was areas of high technology and one company in particular called Honeywell that seemed to be at the very heart of it all. We researched this for about a year and a half. And in that time period, we began to have some of the most bizarre paranormal activity and coincidences happening in our life that we wondered if it was about us researching this. Shay, you had bizarre activity happen to you. Chris Marae, who's our friend from South Carolina and our MUFON contact, had bizarre things happen to him. And the last episode that we did in that series was all about our bizarre phenomena that happened to us. We had Nathan Isaac from the Penny Royal podcast come on, and we talked about how people who research these areas of high strangeness a lot of times start to have things happen to themselves. And so at the end of that series, we kind of said, we don't know that there's ever going to be an end to this. And if bizarre things continue to happen to us, then we'll share them with you. And something like that happened to me, a story that I wanted to tell you guys, because we promised you that we would. Uh, Shay was present when this happened, although you were kind of asleep. So, um, Shay, your thoughts on that before I I jump into the story that I'm going to share. I said in the beginning of the last episode, I think the narration was, when you look into a void, it tends to stare back. And I firmly believe that. When a door is opened and you don't know really what's on the other side, what's on the other side doesn't necessarily know what you are either. So there's a curiosity, I think, on both ends. And I think talking to Nate Isaacs, like he has a lot of insight on this. They do a podcast about the strangeness in Kentucky and all the connections that they found. And uh, Annie pointed out too, that everybody's connected to this in some way. There's some similarity to it. And our connection really was looking at the technology and why these things were happening. But we could not ignore the fact that even though we saw that some of this stuff was a man-made, you know, idea and some of these things, this technology stuff was man-made, there were things we couldn't explain happening either. And it was just to the point where we just had to stop. We had to take a step back and just focus on our life, kind of get things back on track and stuff still happened. Like Annie said, and I, I I honestly, you don't tell each other everything that happens, but at the same time, you, 
you want to see what the other one's thinking when stuff does happen. So we tell a story and it's just the, the synchronicity is still is still there. Stuff's still happening. And we've continued to receive emails from people who have listened to those episodes and said, oh, my God, you know, the same thing happened to me or I have a similar story of an encounter that I want to share with you guys. It's been never ending. And at one point, it did consume our lives. We couldn't look in any direction that we weren't finding some type of coincidence that happened with these stories that we were telling. And really for our own personal sanity, we had to step back. But just when we thought there wouldn't be any more story to tell, it was like another story came from it. And that's the crazy part about it. I think that you look for the similarities to a point where you're just like, oh, going crazy to the point where like, yeah, I need to find this and look into this and look into that because this happened. And it makes you really take a step back and be like, maybe I'm wearing a tinfoil hat. You know what I mean? But yeah, you feel some, a little crazy. Some of the things do just, it's just a weird, the rabbit hole it takes you. And I remember, you know, if you haven't listened to the, the series yet, go back and listen to it. So spoilers ahead. Um, if you want to listen to it, stop now. But we found a connection between a dream Annie had and the town that we live in, Huntington, West Virginia, and Marshall University that's here. Just this weird, strange connection that we just, we followed the, 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 the clues and it was there right in front of our faces the whole time. Something we had no idea was there. At the end of the day, we couldn't explain it then and we still can't explain it now. And the story that I want to share with you guys tonight is something that happened again when we kind of thought that maybe it was over. This happened and it brought it all back to the forefront of our minds again. And so um, here we go. Sometimes when you look deep into a void, it tends to stare right back. You feel tense, uneasy, and oftentimes think maybe you are going crazy. It is as if something inside of you has awoken. You see with unparalleled vision, looking deeper into the unknown, wondering how it could never have been seen. At the end of the day, it feels just as normal as taking your next breath. From what we've been told by different people, you and I, they don't off-world people, so to speak, don't share propulsion tech. They don't share weaponry. But that doesn't mean that they're, wa- they're not watching over the advancement of our technology that's reaching their levels of propulsion and armaments, you know? And it might be making them nervous. Yeah, it might be making them nervous that we're going to eventually extend ourselves and get out off of our planet. It's Shay and Weebs, and we are headed to where, Annie? Mothman Festival. We just left the house. In September 2018, Shay and I visited the infamous TNT bunkers in Point Pleasant, West Virginia for the first time. As a skeptic of the story, I expected to find nothing more than empty concrete igloo-shaped buildings that dot the landscape of what is now part of the West Virginia Ordnance Works. God, I was just—I I was listening—I was listening to a podcast today, and they started talking about Honeywell, and I'm like, "Fuck!" 
there's Honeywell again, you know? Here they are. Yeah. The throwaway thing, right? It's fucking weird. <laughs> well, someone's been busy erecting mysterious metal spikes and provoking intrigue around the world. What started in Utah has now been repeated in multiple places, including England and the Netherlands. And there are some wild theories about who put them there and why on the mystery of the monoliths. Almost monoliths. two years ago now. And you were with me the night that I had that experience. And you kind of explained some things to me as we came out of the TNT bunkers because I'd never experienced anything like that before and I haven't since. You were so much more familiar with that type of phenomena that when you told me what you thought I had experienced, I it really disturbed me. There are parts of it today that still disturb me that make me uneasy. I won't lie when I say we went back to the hotel that night and I didn't sleep. Every time I closed my eyes, I saw that being standing there in front of me. If these types of stories are these like puzzles that unfold and are, are almost help you connect with yourself in ways that you never would have been able to do before, you know, and, and because everybody was so closed off and it's like now everybody's so exposed that, you know, we're wide open to, to sort of hold that mirror up and look at ourselves and see how exposed we are. You know, I'm, I'm saying that in terms of like even with Facebook and social media and all these things, right? We've opened ourselves up so much to the outer world. It's like we've forgotten to look inside. And so these kinds of stories help us to see ourselves in a way that, that is obfuscated by the very nature of the systems we use every day, you know, to, to interact with our, you know, our friends and society. You know, it's crazy. It's pretty deep. That's, that's good. I like that. This happened towards the end of last summer. We were visiting with my parents. My parents live in southern West Virginia, about an hour and a half from Point Pleasant. They live out in the country, and they live in the same house that I grew up in. We frequently go out there on the weekends just to let Rory play in the countryside and enjoy the weather, enjoy the scene out there, and that's exactly what we were doing this weekend. So the evening that this happened was like, the perfect summer evening. Uh, there was a thunderstorm that had rolled in and we had the windows open and the patio door open. The breeze was blowing in. Rory had played hard all day and so she actually fell asleep early. My dad was outside on the porch enjoying the weather. My mom was in another room reading a book or playing on her phone and so Shay gave you and I an opportunity to actually do something that we hardly ever do, which was just sit and watch TV by ourselves and enjoy some peace and quiet. I will preface this entire story by saying I grew up in a very strict religious home. My parents don't believe in any type of paranormal activity that is outside of the realm of the Bible, right? So they don't believe in ghosts. They don't believe in aliens. They don't believe in cryptids. None of this stuff is a part of their vocabulary. And so even in my years as a paranormal investigator, they've never been a fan of any of this stuff. And so I just don't even discuss it with them. It's not something that's even at the back of their minds. So that evening, 
Shay, after you and I had put Rory to sleep, we were sitting there trying to find something to watch on TV. And we had scrolled through Netflix for probably five minutes. And for whatever reason, we land on the Mothman prophecies, which is something collectively we've probably watched a dozen times, right? And you've read the book, the story of John Kill and his investigation into the things that happened in the area of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, around the Mothman and the Men in Black and the EBE sightings in the 1960s. For whatever reason that night, whether it was the storm and the weather or the fact that the windows were open and I was staring straight out into the dark woods, the movie hit differently that night. And probably for the first time ever, I found myself really being creeped out by it. Now, is it the fact that we have spent the last two years investigating this type of phenomena and it's meant more to us than it ever did before? I don't really know. But for some reason, the Mothman prophecies creeped me out that night more than it ever has before. There's one scene in the movie where Richard Gere who plays the character kind of like John Kill in the book, although it's very loosely based on the book, is kind of driving aimlessly. And he finds himself in West Virginia, just outside of the town of Point Pleasant, in the middle of the night on a backcountry road when his car breaks down. And so he goes to the nearest house and he knocks on the door and the owner of the house greets him with a gun in his face. And Richard Gere's character says, you know, my car broke down. Can I use your phone? And the guy kind of pulls him inside the house. And they have this standoff. The guy's pointing a gun at Richard Gere's character. And he says, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know where I am. My car's broken down. And I just need to use a phone. Kind of paraphrasing all of it. And the man with the gun, the homeowner, says, you've knocked on my door in the middle of the night every night. For the past week, why are you here? And Gear's character continues to say, I've never been here. I don't know what you're talking about. Just just let me go and I'll leave. And so the town sheriff shows up and proceeds to tell him that bizarre things have been happening there and everybody's a little bit on edge. For whatever reason, that part of the movie really freaked me out that night. And it was at that point... Shay, I don't even know if you noticed that I did this. I got up and I closed the patio door and closed the curtains and made sure that everything was locked up tight. I didn't want to look out in the woods anymore. I was kind of over it at that point. I actually do remember you doing that because I made a, a comment like, oh, you're afraid Bigfoot's going to look in at you? Because like in Annie's parents' house, they have a sliding screen door, but there's no patio or no like steps to get out. It's just kind of like overlooking like the back hill. So it's almost like you're at a higher level and something can just stand there and look right in at you. And it is kind of freaky if it's dark out and you're, you know, didn't want to see those red glowing eyes of the Mothman standing about 10 feet down, about 10 feet down. <laughs> it did. And I know that you knew that it kind of creeped me out a little bit. And you did. I remember you now making that comment. And so I kind of locked everything up. We finished watching the movie and we laid down to go to sleep. And again, I was just creeped out that night, more than normal. Never been that way at at my house. I grew up in this house. I grew up staring out into those woods at night. 
If I can just throw a side note in here real quick too, while we're talking about this stuff, ever since this stuff's been going on, you know, we do a lot of cleansing stuff now, a grounding, kind of like center our cheese almost. And even telling these stories now, we got like any lit candles and has incense burning and sage a little bit because it is kind of a freaky thing. I don't want it following me again. And we're not, not like that. And we're not trying to overplay it, but it is. A lot of weird stuff's happened to the point where it almost freaks you out. So sorry to interrupt, Annie. So the movie ends and we go to bed that night. And at some point in the middle of the night, I'm startled awake. And when I sit up in bed, I find my dad standing over top of us watching us while we sleep. And I said, Dad, what are you doing? And he had this very blank stare on his face. And I notice at that point that he's wearing his pajamas and his outdoor headlamp, like the big flashlight that he would wear out when he's like hunting at night or whatever. And he still hasn't answered me. And so I ask him again, Dad, what are you doing? And he kind of shook his head. And it was almost like he snapped out of it. And he said, I, I just thought I heard something. It's nothing. Go back to sleep. And so he walks into his bedroom, closes the door, and that's it. And so I lay back down. And again, I'm already a little freaked out by the movie, even though we've been asleep for several hours. Now my dad's standing over top of us watching us sleep. Why he's wearing his headlamp, I'm not entirely sure. And so I couldn't go back to sleep, right? I lay there kind of dozing off for the next probably 20 to 30 minutes when I'm again startled awake by a sound that is very familiar in our household and I recognized it immediately and it was the sound of the the squeaking of the door that leads into my parents mudroom and into the front entrance of the house it has this very definite unmistakable squeaking noise as it opens and so I thought he's gone outside again for something and I get up out of bed I walk through the kitchen, and when I get to the door of the mudroom, it's closed, and it's locked from the inside. No one had opened that door. So now I'm really standing there scratching my head, knowing what I had just heard, knowing that I heard that door open, expecting to find my dad outside for whatever reason, and I'm standing there with the door locked in my face. You can't lock it from the outside, only from the inside. So I unlock the door. I go to the front entrance of the house. I look outside. I stood there and watched for a few minutes, and it was just dark. There was nothing at all moving. And so I went in, and I laid back down. I didn't sleep much the rest of the night, and within a couple of hours, it was daylight, and Rory was awake, and so was Dad. And so as Dad and I are standing in the kitchen that morning, just the two of us, making our coffee, I asked him again, what he was doing were you outside last night and he hesitantly answers me like he almost he doesn't want to tell me and it was just weird he's got his back turned to me and he's kind of stammering over his words and he said I just thought I heard something and so I got my pistol and and I took a lap around the house and I said you got your gun and went outside what what did you hear and he said "It, it was nothing I I don't I don't even really know And I said, well, it was something if you got your pistol and you walked around the house. Now, again, their house is out in the country. There are neighbors, but nobody really close by and everybody we know and where most of them were related to. 
So for dad to say that he packed his pistol and took a lap around the house was bizarre. And so we go about for another few minutes, we make our coffee. And as I grab my coffee and turn to walk out of the room, as I have my back turned to him, he said, you know, I thought I heard somebody knocking on the door and I froze and I turned around and I said, what did you say? He said, it it just sounded like somebody knocking on the front door. And so I went outside and he said there was nobody there. Immediately, I went back to that scene from the Mothman prophecies that had freaked me out so badly for whatever reason that night. And literally, my blood ran cold. My dad has never watched that movie. He wouldn't believe it if he did. He didn't know that we watched it that night. What are the odds that we're in the middle of the country at my parents' house? That's a scene from the movie that freaked me out. And my dad is up in the middle of the night chasing something that he thinks is knocking on their front door. That's also something that's been part of this phenomenon that I've noticed with us. And I don't know. I mean, it's it's a idea that I've held on to for a long time and I've talked about it with people, you know, and it's something that that people have discussed for years. I mean, do we manifest our own fears? Do we manifest our own hauntings? Are we creating these events that are happening uh, or is there some greater power overlooking us and it's almost like it's programmed and we we see the program that's happening and uh, it's almost like that movie, A Glitch in the Matrix, you know what I mean? Like you see into this idea and this plan and it's like, oh crap, they saw us, you know, kind of thing. You said you were freaked out so bad that maybe in some strange, maybe astral projection, it was you outside walking around and knocking on the door because you thought you were locked out and your dad actually heard what you manifest. I mean, that's just an idea of things, you know, that, that just part of the weird things that have happened to us and, and the ideas that we've discussed. I honestly don't know. I, I, I don't have any answer for what happened. But the part that made me the most uneasy about it was the fact that in the past, as we have researched all of this bizarre phenomena, the encounters have happened to you and I. They happened to Chris Marais, who did some of our MUFON research. And now I'm at my parents' house with our daughter, and things are manifesting there. Well, it also happened, we told the story about your mom in that series, too. Right. Having something happen here in, in the our house. house. Yeah, yeah. That she, I mean, she doesn't believe in that kind of stuff, but she couldn't explain what it was. No, and it would take us hours to go back into all of the stuff that we've talked about. Again, if you only want to hear about the paranormal experiences that we had after that, it was episode six. It's called The Void, episode the void. six. Um, but really to understand that, it's... You could listen to all of them, and and it would make a lot of sense, or at least it makes sense to us. But it happened to the people who were close to us. And I think, again, that's part of the reason that we stopped doing this research, because it hit so close to home. I, I just, I didn't want it to happen anymore. I didn't want it to harm someone or scare someone. And it scared my dad. And I couldn't tell you what it was, whether it was my own thoughts and fears manifesting some type of activity or if something else was there that came from some other dimension to let us know that it was there in our thoughts and in our fears in something that we, you know, held close to us, which was that research. I don't know. I can't explain it. 
But we told you guys that if we had continued experiences like that after we finished that series, that we would share them with you. And so that's why I wanted to tell that story, because it's um, it's something that scared me and made it very real all over again. And we've had other, you know, small, strange things happen with, with books and stories. And, you know, I think one of the strange things about that weekend, too, uh, was something your dad talked about. You know, you're, as you said before, your dad's pretty religious and, you know, he reads the Bible every day. And he kind of looked at us both and he's like, did you know that? And I was kind of shocked to hear this for as much as your dad has, you know, looked into the Bible and studied it for years. He talked about the giants. He said, did you know that there's giants in the Bible? And that was the same weekend. And for him to say that was just kind of like out there too. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, it was a little out there. And if, and if you do, if you do know much about the Bible, there is, you know. A race of giants. A race yeah. of giants that they talk about in the Bible. And I mean, we live in the Appalachian region and they talk about giants here. You know, uh, it's, I don't know. There's just so, so much to it that it's hard to explain. And People want to attribute it, a lot of it, to aliens and extraterrestrials, but I think it runs deeper, and I think it, it it's it's somewhat maybe parallel universe like we discussed, or this whole area that we talk about. It's just sacred land. It was sacred land to the native people uh, for so many different reasons, and I think with experiences that we've had and stories that we're going to tell later on this season in the podcast— I think it runs much deeper than just extraterrestrial. I think it's the land. I think it's what curses have been put on the land. I think it's ancient people that walk these lands or fairies or... Elemental elemental, spirits. Elemental elemental energy. And we've had quite a few experiences with elemental things. And and it's something that we're going to discuss, like I said, later on in the season. So guys, that's it. That's my updated story on, you know, some of the bizarre phenomena that's happened to us. We would love for anyone listening to this, if you've had any types of experiences like that, that you would like to share with us, please feel free to reach out to us on social media because people have done that. People continue to do that. In the coming weeks, you're going to hear a bizarre tale from someone uh, from Kentucky that reached out to us. So again, if you have anything that you would like to share with us, please feel free to do that. You're we're happy to leave it anonymous. You don't have to put any type of name with it, but we would like to share these similar stories with our listeners. Even if you want to talk and remain anonymous. I mean, we just did an interview you'll hear next week has a pretty incredible story and pretty similar to something that we're looking into um, for one of the episodes this season. And He remained anonymous, so if you want to come on, tell your story, no one has to know who you are. All right, guys, so that wraps it up for us this week. Until next time, be aware and be safe. Bye-bye.